This episode is brought to you by... What's up? Who's that? Yo, pick up the phone. What's up? What's up? Yo, Duke, pick up the phone. Yo. What's up? What you doing, son? Nothing. Just chilling. Killing. True, true. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. Let's go through the spreadly woods. You have no face! Horror! Sabrina, don't just stare at it, eat it. New theatrical releases always get priority. But we also review older horror movies, both good and horrorable. didn't sound good. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. Your panel of expert hosts each week are Dr. Bruce Henson, who holds a PhD in spookology, and me, Professor David Day, the foremost expert in scare no-nos. New theatrical releases always obviously get priority. Um, uh, what was that? <laughs> new theatrical releases always obviously get priority, except we haven't been around yeah. for a couple weeks, so We're we missed... A little late to the party on Scream 2022. We missed potentially the biggest release of 2022, and it's only been a month mm-hmm. into 2022. Um, but no, fear not. Now that you've all had a chance to see it, uh, we've got a great show for you today. We will be reviewing Scream 2022. And I have a very special guest here with us today. I have... Keith, our our longtime blogger and uh, and my good friend Keith Harris. Say hi, Keith. Hey, yeah. hi, Keith. Am I doing this right? What's next? <laughs> I believe it's Keith Harrison, David. I met <laughs> I met Keith long, long ago, and uh, and I noticed that he was an incredibly talented writer, and uh, and he because he was writing about horror movies on a subreddit about horror that I frequented and I was like hey man you want to you want to write blogs like on a site and hopefully we'll be big someday and he's like yeah man sure and since then I've I've worked with Keith in uh in all kinds of different capacities and he's just been a great friend to me for years so thank you for joining us on the podcast today Keith Ethan hey, uh, uh, y- yes sir mm-hmm. I I I uh I, I will not confirm or deny the quality of what David read on those subreddits. It's I, I don't remember. I was I was high for most of that time. <laughs> I have very discerning taste, um, so I can I can attest to it. If you guys like the show, you should check out our website horrormovietalk.com. You, we have second Saturday watch parties. Guess when? 
and uh, and you can join us over at streamlounge.io. Just follow us, our, our account over there, and it's like a Twitch-style um, thing for watching movies together, and sometimes Keith comes and hangs out on those. We also have a Twitch channel where I play mostly Dead by Daylight, but I'm thinking about getting Project Zomboid, so that should be fun. Kevin told me that we should play Project Zomboid. Yeah, it looks, it looks like something we need to play, um, and I don't think it will trigger your vertigo mm. your your mm-hmm. your first person shooter based dizziness um follow us on social media we post new episodes every single wednesday so you know subscribe to us toss us a rating on spotify if you haven't yet uh, all of our followers have been very kind and and have boosted us tremendously on spotify and also apple Apple Podcasts. Yeah, but, I mean, the Apple gets all the love. We Now we should just switch. Yeah, but we've been falling down the charts in Apple, so we should probably... True, true. Um, if you'd like to get on the show, you can call 682-253-4468. Um, as with every show, we start out by giving a brief review and synopsis for the movie. We uh, will also score it on a scale of 1 to 10. You know how that works. And after we score, uh, we'll get into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Scream yet... You don't, you know, you can you can listen to our review, decide for yourself based on our scores, and then pause it and come back after you've seen it in theaters. Um, did you did you catch Scream in theaters, Keith? Uh, I, I did not. I just um, I, I had like a, a few credits left on like a Regal Cinemas card. I probably could have gone to see it if I wanted to, but we just had a snow system come through here in in, in, in Mechanicsville. So did you I didn't, watch Scream? Yes. Oh, down. Okay. Well, hey, I'm not yeah. going to ask any questions on, on my computer. Yeah. I won't. Uh, well. <laughs> uh, after so later in the episode, we will be doing a few bits. I, this is a very important episode, in my opinion. Um, the first bit is not really a bit. It's so much as um, it's going to be a, uh, me reading a, a series of correspondences that I have with a listener a new listener named Jess. So it's called A Letter from Jess. And she expressed some issue with um, with basically the, the verbiage that we use to describe uh, Asperger's autism. And, uh, and I, I had a good conversation with Jess, and I thought this would be a good thing to bring on the show today because Keith is a high-functioning, on-the-spectrum person. And uh, and so we'll get um, some of Keith's opinions on that as well. But after that, of course, um, you know, for those of you who aren't, um, you know, offended, uh, we'll be doing horror movie talk whores. So <laughs> where we take calls from all of our callers. So we went and saw Scream and it was pretty much exactly what I figured it would be. Here is the trailer. This isn't funny, Amber. Would you like to play a game, Tara? (laughs) Doors unlocked. Doors locked. Doors unlocked. 
three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm, I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? For this? Never. There are certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. is a story about a movie about a movie. Mm. A young girl gets called on the phone and brutally attacked by a masked murderer known as Ghostface. As the teen and her friends try to figure out who would perpetuate this crime, other victims begin to die. Suddenly, everyone is a suspect. Fortunately, we have a couple of horror movie experts who manage to surmise that this is similar to a horror movie known as Stab. If you know how slasher movies work, you may be able to stay alive. Oh, yeah, and Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Ski Ulrich are in it. Um, you may have heard of this movie. Um, get that skeet, 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 skeet. Sorry, I just got some skeets in there. It's uh, a little-known movie from the 90s. Right. That has recently been rebooted this year. Right. If any of this... this Sounds familiar. It's because Scream painted itself into a corner uh, with the first movie and has been digging away at the hallowed ground ever since. Uh, Meta horror has been the thing that everyone does for nearly 30 years now. uh, And if Scream doesn't do it, it's basically sacrilegious. Uh, Scream isn't going to blow your mind. It sticks to the exact same format and rules of all the previous movies. In fact, it's pretty much devolved fully into Clue at this point, um, if you're familiar with the 1985 movie Clue about the game, mm. which which is a movie about a game, uh-huh. not a movie. Okay. Um, there are tons of callbacks and Easter eggs. Oh, wait. Characters. Oh yeah, characters. You, you know. Sorry, what? I'm I just know, helping. I know we I'm have just a trying full to help. day today, but it's okay if things don't go super quickly. It's I know that. Be... Okay. I know that. Whoa, hey. I'm not accusing you. Whoa, I'm just trying to help. Characters are all constantly pointing at each other and asking, "Are you the killer?" The same way tweens do as they exit the movie theater, or characters in Scooby Doo do. Uh, in you Doo-doo. know, Scooby Doo. <laughs> There are tons of callbacks and Easter eggs to keep fans coming back to catch every last morsel of slasher goodness. I'd even say that this has some of the most clever meta-commentary zingers placed in the script since the original Scream. Uh, It's a fine movie and pretty violent, although the violence in Halloween 2018, and especially Halloween Kills, puts this in the kiddie pool in that regard. I guess I'm just a little tired of the same old story told with a wink and a nod by some Gen Z kid's 
no matter how much they're asking for it. <laughs> what did you think, Bryce? Yeah, I mean that it really suffers under the the trend in the last like twenty years of every character in a horror movie knows about horror movies. Yeah. So like every horror movie is a meta horror movie at this point. I mean, I think of like, like just any throwaway like horror movie like Hell House or the recent Black Christmas or something like. It's all basically scream, and it's so played out at this point that like you have it, to. It's do really it. the it's really the most um, just played out trope mm-hmm. right now that they should just get rid of. And scream comes along and like, hey guys, how about the original? <laughs> And everyone's like, eh, yeah, all right. I don't know. It seems like everybody just gives it an automatic pass. They're just it like, literally oh, just you just wet your pants over it and you love it. And I mean, it is it is good. I mean, it's it's good quality. Um, yeah, it's it's what a scream movie is. But I've seen it, you know, four other times before. Yeah, to where you start asking yourself is this or the the only notable change this movie is that it's the first one not directed by Wes Craven oh is that right did he direct all the other ones we don't do research on well he's he's that to another show anyways he's dead so (laughs) (laughs) so this was uh written and directed by um well it was directed by the same guys that did uh ready or not Oh, um, so they're they're good. Yeah, the, they are good. The writing was fine. Um, not too much character building or anything. It's it's your generic cookie cutter Slash. scream teens cast. Yeah, um, it was okay. I just it's hard for me to get excited about it. I I'd give it probably like a six out of ten. Yeah, I'm falling at about a seven. What did uh, what did you think about it, Keith? Um. Uh... I'll be honest, I hadn't seen any of the Scream movies in years, so this one was – I actually rewatched the original to get ready for this. I didn't have time to rewatch them all, and uh, I feel pretty similarly to to you guys in, in that I personally don't think Scream should have been a franchise to begin with. I thought they should have left it at the first one just as a perfect time capsule of 90s horror. So going into this one, given all the meta horror that's been done up to this point, and especially after Scream 4, it, 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 it satisfied me in some ways in terms of where I figured it was going to go. In most ways, it did virtually everything I was worried it was going to do <laughs> since I first heard it was announced. And it didn't help that's being released in January, although I, I don't fault it for that since that was probably a, a, an effect of the pandemic. I'm sure it was originally supposed to release earlier than that. But yeah, January horror movies in general, that that's kind of a red flag for me. This is my favorite part about talking to Keith, is he comes at me with these with these little morsels that I, that I go, God damn, that's a really good point, where... You, where he's so you you bring up the fact that you're like I didn't think Scream should have been a franchise, which is obviously sacrilege in terms of uh, slashers, generally speaking. But I I'm not gonna lie, I think that's spot on. I mean, the second, third, fourth, they were just kind of like okay, and this one was fresh and I think uh, worthwhile enough. But it's I, it's fine. I think like I wish it would evolve a little bit if they're gonna do a series like. I was talking to David on the way back is the way they should have done a modern day scream as a meta 
horror movie is they should have like really leaned into like a 24 territory like really tried to make an elevated horror yeah. scream movie to where you're like moving away from slasher into you know the more esoteric <laughs> and that would have been pretty interesting to like have to move the meta commentary on with the genre where it is now um and they mention ele- quote unquote elevated horror movies in in the movie and that it got a chuckle out of me a couple times um because all the all the people in the original scream are huge fans of slashers because it's the 90s and so right. the 80s just happened right and so every you know franchise jason michael myers freddy krueger all of these are like way way into you know the fifth or sixth movies in a franchise and they're all obsessed with those movies and so it feels kind of like an anachronism that they mentioned jason i'm like there hasn't been a jason movie since these kids were born like (laughs) well that's not true (laughs) this is i mean when was the last jason there's been maybe two jason movies since they were born (laughs) when was jason x so X wasn't the last one. So there was a J- Jason versus Freddy, and then um, the new reboot in what eleven? Two thousand nine. Oh Nine, yeah, I forgot about that one. But yeah, no, uh, your point still stands. Uh, only two Friday the Thirteenths in twenty years is pretty absurd in and of itself, right? Because that first decade, it was every single year. But no, I-, I think that's a good point. Like if you're gonna go meta and 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 with it. Don't just go one level. Go way more. Like the scream broke the broke the mold by by breaking the fourth wall and kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. look at look at us. We're in a movie and it's about movies and like well, go further with it. Don't take it just one step where you're like, nah, it's a movie about a series of movies about movies. And there's there's a little bit of that because they not only commentate on horror movies, they commentate on reboots of horror movies and like right. sequels and the the current status of, you know, soft reboots. Yeah. Hey, Keith, I'm curious to know, what score would you give Scream? I think Bryce said six. I'm going around to seven. What are you going with? Uh, I would give it a five in that it wasn't terrible. You know, it is the worst of the franchise, in my opinion, because I think every film after the first one got progressively worse. Or said it for each for different reasons, but, but I would classify it as painfully average. Is you know it doesn't do anything like literally no exaggeration doesn't do anything at all that I wasn't expecting it to do. <laughs> and occasionally that was for good. Nine times out of ten, it was for the worse. Or so, so yeah, it, it left no impact on me whatsoever either way. Yeah, I mean it. it... <laughs> It was fun. You know, it had it had some fun gimmicks is what it had in place of things that you you weren't expecting. It started uh, playing with your expectations a little bit. It was like Mm -hmm. jump scare here. No jump scare here. No jump scare here. No. Six or seven times later, they're like now. And you're like, okay, that's kind of that's kind of funny. You know, they're playing with that whole thing. But yeah, that's all it is, is just a little bit of a gimmick and. I don't know. I thought. I, I mean, it was entertaining enough, but uh, but yeah, I appreciate I appreciate that uh, that take. So 
Uh, now let's, uh, you know, you know what you can count on every time you may not be able to count on screams, but you can count on nightchannels.com every single time to come through with uh, fresh, hot prints for your shirts and sweatshirts. Um, and you know what, if you head on over there to nightchannels.com, toss a couple things in your cart and then head to the checkout. You enter code HMT and you save 13% off your entire order over at nightchannels.com. And you know what? Surfing the surfing the site is a little thing we like to call the Night Channels Challenge. Just hop on there. Just check it out. You don't got to buy anything. But you know what? You're going to. You're going to. Ten minutes later, ten days later, that those designs, um, those prints of horror movies, of occult stuff of um, alternative and, and metal bands, all these things, they're going to work their way into your brain like a little worm, and they're going to, they're gonna, you know, grow into a desire to buy. Mm. And, and you'll do it, and you'll be happy you did, because you save 13% when you use code HMT at checkout. Um, you should also know that if you're listening to these commercials, you don't have to. You can head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash talk. And uh, you can select any level of um, support that you'd like to give us. And in return, you get a whole bunch of extra exclusive content. Today, we're going to be reviewing for the Patreon exclusive review, the pretentious review. We're going to be reviewing Psycho for the month of January. Mm -hmm. Um, And last month, speaking of Wes Craven, we did uh, the original Last House on the Left. So, lots of good stuff on there. Tons and tons and tons of extra content. We got our after pods that we do a podcast every time we finish one of these shows that you're listening to right now. So, and it's a great way to support the show directly. Uh, If you'd like to get a hold of some HMT merch, well, guess what? You're kind of out of luck right now because we don't have a lot left other than (laughs) shirts. So, um, I just made a new order of sticker so they should be coming in early february oh baby well gonna get restocked restocking and also we we haven't really announced it but i think right now we have the hoodie live Mm, yeah did we i don't know i haven't seen the hoodie so i don't want to like oh it's upstairs i needed to give it to you anyway yeah i think we have a hoodie available maybe i don't know who knows yeah check out our resident artist dustin goble on his instagram at dgobel00 um, that's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0. He is just the best uh, artist I know uh, because he produces uh, badass horror-themed art. And, you know, if he's pretty busy right now, but if you bother him a whole lot, he's kind of – he's a little bit of a pushover. Mm-hmm. So I bet you'll be able to, uh, to commission him. Just bully him into doing – customized artwork yeah tell him hey take dustin yeah tell him you know where he lives (laughs) to just start start throwing money at him be like fuck you dusty you're gonna be (laughs) you're gonna build me a commission (laughs) or whatever the draw you're gonna draw me a commission i don't know why i I decided to go that route with it i'm sorry dustin so yeah bully dustin into (laughs) taking your money uh, <laughs> give us a call at 682-253-4468. You'll show up on Horror Movie Talk Whores, maybe. Uh, thanks again for listening, and let's get into spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> 
Spoilers. So at this point, <laughs> keeps making faces at me. At, at this point, uh, y- you know we're gonna spoil it. So you know, buzz off if you don't like that stuff. Uh-huh. So big shocker. Yeah, the, the screen movie starts with a a call to a landline. Yeah. Oh, wow. Didn't see that coming. It's like it's, but it's like from the first movie with Drew Barrymore. Remember that? Remember? Remember that? Yeah, I do. I do remember it. Keith, do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's in itself is an anachronism now. Like, even my mom doesn't have her landline anymore. Like she, when she moved, I don't think she transferred it. Wow. So my childhood number goes to nothing. <gasps> no, it goes to it goes to. Wow, yeah, I guess it goes to nothing. Who's who's asking? Actually, for- you know what? Maybe it, it probably is still attached to our Comcast bill since she probably never took it off. So if I call her, it'll say Bryce is calling on her TV. Keith, do you have a landline? Uh, wh- n- n- not not that that I know of. I don't think we've had a landline since maybe the two thousand. 2000- 10s or early 2010s at the latest because I, I graduated high school in 2010 that's that's the last memory of I have of us even having a home number yeah I think I was a I, w- I was a holdout like I was like fuck cell phones I don't I'm not whole gonna get in a cell phone until probably like 2012 or something like that and uh so that was I don't know 10 years ago at this point I mean you're pretty big luddite when when we met yeah. like you didn't you still had a flip phone right and like what was that yeah 2015 yeah yeah and i mean well it's been 10 years since i got a cell phone or so so i i don't know so the the fact that this family had a line and then it launches into this um you know his discussion with this gal on the phone is like what kind of horror do you like and she's like I like elevated horror, and oh, he God. so like her favorite movie is The Babadook, right? Which which is Bryce. We just movie. we we just published the review, and uh, David hates it, and I love it. What's your oh? This is here. What which team are you on, Keith? Oh God, you had to put me in the middle of this crap. Um, uh, I I I I'm kind of like like logically. I love the the Babadook. I appreciate so much of what it it does. I think it's an objectively well-constructed movie. So I'm kind of more Bryce in the logical part of my brain. Emotionally, I'm more David in that it is such a chore to watch through. I don't remember the last time I actually watched it. And and I own it on DVD. So um, my my brain's kind of torn on that one. It's just one of those cases where I acknowledge what it accomplishes but it's just not for me. Subjectively. You have to answer who are you going to live with mommy or daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make you have Don't to choose Bryce or David. <laughs> no, I, you know, I've been thinking about this since that released because it, it got, it got people going, uh, you know, the, the big divide between you and me. And I think, uh, I think the difference is, and I may be wrong here, but I think the difference is people who, are depressed or have dealt with serious depression for a good amount of their life can appreciate the Babadook on a deeper level than I am capable Mm. of may. And it might, may just be a patience thing. Yeah. And then the people that don't like it just hate women. What? (laughs) 
that's the most insane uh, correlation I've ever heard. It sounds like you're. It sounds like anyway. Um, so, see, I don't even see it as much as like. I mean, yeah, it's about depression, but it's more about like the stresses of motherhood. Yeah. Anyways, we're getting back to scream. Why? So well, anyways, they mentioned they mentioned the Babadook and a bunch of these other say, like elevated well, horror movies. So, well, like, but the girl says this is a fantastic meditation of motherhood and grief. Right. So Bryce is basically stealing from Scream, which is stealing from yeah. Or you know, I understood it, and so did the, I, I understood the writer it. of the movie. I understood it. Oh, being parents so hard. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's like elevated horror. It's like I'll be honest. You just put them in their the, crate. Hang on. That, Sorry. That, that, it, it's like she mentions elevated horror. I'll be honest. I didn't even know that was a term like related to to a twenty twenty four movies. Like I'd seen their movies. I didn't know elevated horror was even a concept until after I I, I heard that. It's like I, I Google it and I'm just like, is this conceit? Is what these movies are doing considered a new thing? Because several, most of what they do, horror movies have actually been doing for decades. They just found like a new tone for it, I, I guess, to kind of reintroduce it to the modern generation. And but I don't consider them like breaking the mold by any means. Yeah, it's weird because it's like uh, this this term "elevated horror" is just applied to well-made horror movies. <laughs> well, I think pe- people in the horror community take issue with it because it's. It's condescending to, you know, every horror movie that came before the 2010s, basically. Well, exactly. it's like, it's oh, like, these ones are, exactly? yeah, these the horror movies are shit and these ones are better. Well, but look, I mean, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a juxtaposition kind of thing. Yeah. Because there was a real dark period for five to seven years there between mm-hmm. Saw and Hostel and then... Dot dot dot. Yeah, I mean you the could, witch and <laughs> there. I mean, mostly it's just a return to a certain production value and quality and like level of character development. Because it's not. I mean, I I would put like The Exorcist and and like Rosemary's Baby up against Hereditary. Oh yeah. I mean, they're they're obviously a lot of homages in in some of these recent quote unquote elevated horror movies too horror movies from the 60s and and 70s so in this conversation uh that she's having on on the phone there's a lot of um very self-aware talk the movie just you know knowing what it is and being like oh yeah those movies from the 90s they were really over lit and (laughs) i kind of laughed at that because you think about screaming it oh yeah it was yeah it was super over lit um (laughs) And uh, and then he asks her three questions um, about, about a movie she doesn't know anything movies. about. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, "Please just ask me about Hereditary or The Witch or mm-hmm. you know these other elevated horror movies." And, and uh, so eventually she gets a uh, she gets attacked and put in the hospital. Um, she doesn't. She's not killed, but uh, you know, there's a basically the the trailer shows you that whole first attack. So if you want to see that, go mm-hmm. for it. And then we're introduced to our plucky band of high schoolers uh, with frosted tips in their hair. 
Yeah, my my first guess on who the killer was was going to be the guy with frosted tips. Yeah, I was like, that guy is into the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is straight up nostalgia. And uh, is that? Are there kids with frosted tips right now? I don't know. I think the thing now is is coloring coloring your hair in some pastel color. Yeah, I think that's the thing now. But I'm old. I'm you know. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, did these did this band of of high schoolers give you guys any feelings in particular, or was it just it just felt kind of blasé and bland to me? Yeah, I mean, it was. They were less interesting God, they than were less interesting than the original cast because at least it like had some level of differentiation between like the obsessive horror movie fans and you know kind of the the rest of the you know good looking high schoolers yeah and uh and relationships and stuff and this one's kind of like hey guys <laughs> how's it at the fodder crew we still hanging out yeah uh-huh it's a losers club right uh-huh and then they 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 sprinkle in a couple like you know, this is the this guy. This 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 guy. I'm like, ah, you didn't you didn't know she was a lesbian? Well, she is. Well, she is. Yeah. Which is you know. How do you feel about your prejudices? <laughs> uh, I mean, and then there's the movie is completely uh, saturated with uh, tons and tons of callbacks and references and Easter eggs. There's an Elm Street in one shot that I caught. A couple people are named um, <clears throat> Carpenter. Uh, there's um, well the main the main uh, character and who spoilers ends up being the killer is named Wes. Yeah, yeah, sure, Wes. I mean, there's just tons and tons of callbacks and references to all of Slasherdom. Um, did uh, did any of these in particular stand out to you guys? Uh, I, I did recognize the the the, the girl who um uh, spoiler she ends up being one of the killers. Um, I, I forget what her character's name was in the movie, but she's played by Mikey Madison, and I recognized her because she played one of the Manson family's followers, a Susan Sadie Atkinson, in Once Upon a Time and in Hollywood when when. The people who who murdered uh, Sharon Tate and and I think a, a, a friend of hers, or is it, she, she's the girl who gets torched like literally by Leonardo oh, DiCaprio. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Yeah, her in the movie, her name is Amber. Yeah, but yes, Amber. Yeah, but her name in real life is is Mikey Madison. That's right. She's a fabulous. Now that I think about it, just looking at her, she's a a spot on. Uh, bad guy mm-hmm. character to, yeah. to she's she's very pretty but it's she got shifty Nefarious eyes pretty yeah it's like, it's yeah. like the sec the second i saw her face i'm just like she's gonna be one of the killers like there's there's no way there's they're just not gonna be at least multiple killers because that's kind of a that's kind of a go-to with scream at this point is there's always there always tends to be more than one mm-hmm. and, and two it always tends to be the person who either looks too nice 
or looks so obviously shifty that they're just perfect casting for a killer. And she fell into one of those extremes for me. So it's like as soon as I saw the high school kids, I'm looking at them just like, okay, he's probably not it. She's definitely it. She might be it. It, it, It's just there's no surprise to it anymore for me. Like within the first five minutes, it's like telling who's going to be the killer in a CSI episode within the first act. (laughs) Speaking of casting, I mean, so the casting in this movie is pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, to get Nev Campbell... Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and... In their busy careers. <laughs> and... Skeet, skeet, skeet. And skeet, skeet, skeet in there. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You you don't think that's... You yeah, know. when's... where's What's the last Nev Campbell movie you've watched? This is a good point. <laughs> this is, Scream 4. I mean, probably the busiest Scream one four. is probably Courtney Cox. Gosh, she looks like the Crypt Keeper now, huh? <sighs> I mean, let's just say if there was a competition for agelessness, Nev Campbell won, hands down, on on this cast. David Arquette's not looking bad at all. No, David Arquette's not that bad either. He's been staying in shape. He's been doing wrestling. I think for Skeet Ulrich, they literally use CGI because that is not what Skeet Ulrich looks like. Now. Right? It yeah, does. It did look. I was kind of like that. Was like, uh, oh, is that Ambassador Tarkin or whatever? Yeah. The uh, the what is it called? The, the Canny fake, Valley. It's the fake faces. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it was it was very obvious because it looked like Skeet Ulrich. Deep fake. Um. Yeah. Deep fake. Uh, Skeet Ulrich from the original Scream. Skeet. 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 <laughs> And I always, I always um, dubbed Skeet Ulrich as the poor man's Johnny Depp. And in this movie, in addition to Skeet Ulrich, there's a poor man Skeet Ulrich in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is the guy with that muscle car. Skeet, Skeet, Skeet! One you can't of, say they said it on the radio. One of the first um, deaths is, yeah. is the poor man Skeet Ulrich. That's right. That's right. The the tough uh-huh. at the bar who goes outside to pee mm-hmm. um, and then gets brutally murdered looks just like a a short. No, I guess Skeet is kind of short. Mm-hmm. A wow. slightly. Which really makes him the poor man's Johnny, Johnny uh, 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 Depp. Yeah, he's the poor man's Johnny Depp's poor man Johnny Johnny's Depp. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. This is all accurate. God, why isn't our show bigger? Like, we just spit truth. I know, right? (laughs) How dare you, sir? Courtney Cox is as beautiful as she has always been. She ages like a fine wine. Like, you want to talk about agelessness? I'm sorry. Nev Campbell didn't look like a teenager to begin with, even in the first one. Like, she was obviously... And that works for the original, because that was a common thing in the 90s. Like, tons of movies and TV were doing that, partially because of child labor laws. Is So, I give her a pass on that. Courtney is still beautiful to me. Like, I've seen celebrities that have aged horribly. She could have turned out a lot worse. Like, even without makeup, I think she looks pretty decent for her age. Dude, she's going heavily into the Beverly Hills housewife look, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, Botox, 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 more filler. But I'll give her this. She looks a lot better in this movie than she did when I saw her five or ten years ago. So we're on an upward trajectory, in in my opinion. Yeah, it's not a fair fair battle. I mean, this 
just the vanity of fame and like the how much you're judged by it's like it's a losing game and even if you play the game and get the plastic surgery it's a crapshoot because some people get plastic surgery and you're like they look the same right like i'm sure keanu reeves has had some work done and it's just very good and they're like oh he just never ages like uh uh-huh yeah and the rock doesn't do steroids i'm sure Uh, (laughs) um and and then there's people that get plastic surgery done and it either instantly changes them and they're unrecognizable like meg ryan or oh poor meg ryan she she was so beautiful yeah that work she had done or they get work done and it's good but as they age it affects how their face sags (laughs) to where they look like a weird Wet blanket. Like, just a weird version of, like, um, I don't know, like that, yeah, just a face held up by clothespins at some point. Speaking speaking of Meg Ryan, uh, her son is in this. Yeah. That you let me know. And I, yes. Yes, Jack Quaid, <laughs> one of the two killers, is Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son, apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Blows me away. He looks he looks like Tom Hanks, kind of. I mean, when you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, he does really look like Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid no, I guess put he together. Look, I guess he looks like Joel McHale. Wait, wait Richie? The, the boyfriend? That's Meg Ryan's son? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, 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 told, I uh, wasn't aware of that. That explains why I liked Richie. You know, he's got he's got a little bit of Meg Ryan's charisma in him because like, he was one of like the only characters in the movie that I actually liked. Yeah, he was a very likable character. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to kind of set up the movie um, uh, here as I as I can. Um, so we have uh, our girl. Uh, I think her name is Jenna, who has been brutally attacked at the start of the at the start of the movie, and then we have her friend group, um, and these are uh, for the most part disposable teens, and then. On top of this friend group and Jenna, we have Jenna's... Let me correct you. First of all, the actress's name is Jenna. The character's name is Tara. Oh, my my apologies. My apologies. Thank you. Tara, uh, played by Jenna Ortega. Um, then we have... And, and her last name is Carpenter. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm talking about there. Um, and then we have her sister, uh, Tara's sister... Sam Carpenter and Sam's boyfriend, uh, Richie, played by Jack Quaid. And uh, Sam has been estranged from her younger sister. uh, And so her reappearance to support uh, her little sister, Tara, is of note uh, because five years ago, um, when she was 18, she left the family uh, because we come to find out that yeah this is a- like uh, this was like the whole character development and like the backstory that like i my eyes glazed over yeah where i'm like what how who left who and when so, it's like okay so her dad left and because of that her mom left and then the sister left it's like okay but it should be noted that uh older sister sam her father is uh, is our boy, Skeet Skeet Skeet, Skeet Skeet Skeet, 
uh, Skeet Ulrich, uh, and so she has killer in her. You know, she has, and she has a little bit of a um, uh, psychosis, I think, because they mentioned she has antipsychotic pills. She needs, yeah, to and she sees visions of. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Yeah, yeah. She sees visions of... Skeet, 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 skeet! <laughs> yeah, you, you know... You know what's so dope about skeet? Why people don't know what it means yet? <laughs> when they figure it out, they're going to be like, My God, what have we done? <laughs> it means that he's the poor man's Johnny Depp. Right. <laughs> My God, what have we done? Um, so, so, Sam brings her boyfriend, Richie, back... And as it turns out at the end, uh, Richie is the killer uh, who has intentionally found and had a relationship with Sam to in order to get closer to her family, in order to reenact the stab movies, in order to... <laughs> it's so convoluted. In in order to be a part of the next stab movie. Uh-huh. <sighs> um, it's like a representation of like toxic fanhood. Like it's a caricature of toxic fan. I'm like, as soon as I saw that, I'm just like, oh god, you're really, you're really gonna try to do this? Because I yeah. tell me about this. Go, go, go on it, down this line. It, well, it's just. You said before that this feels just like the original Scream in terms of what it tries to do with with Metahor. I would slightly disagree in that I think it actually broke one of the cardinal rules established in the original Scream was that this Scream tries to be much more of a commentary on real life, in, in my opinion, whereas the first one <clears> – <throat> Excuse me, just clear my throat. Would, uh, the, the first scream was a commentary on horror pop culture, or specifically in in universe uh, horror tropes. It was I don't recall anything in the first scream that tried to commentate on real life outside that one line where where Billy says to Sydney, like, "Don't blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. It makes psychos more creative." If outside of that, like everything about Scream was a horror movie within a horror movie where these characters aren't meant aren't meant to reflect real life archetypes they're horror archetypes the killers and it, like several of the characters in this scream to me reflect real life archetypes and that to me just just completely misses the point of what Wes Craven did with with the original even the sequels to an extent gradually it, it, it kind of lost track of this is scream 4 was the last one since Wes Craven directed it that retained the spirit of the original Scream to me. That this one was like holding Scream under a microscope with the fandom controlling the meta. And as soon as I got the sense they were doing that, I'm just like, oh no! Like I, I can already tell where where you're going with this, and and yet you're not as clever about it as you're portraying yourself to be. You're you're kind of circle jerking yourself a little bit here. That's a really good point. Wait, wait a minute. You can't sort of circle jerk yourself. I mean, that's just not what the definition of circle jerk what? is. Is it hey, clearly Bryce hasn't seen the porn that David and I, I have? I mean, <laughs> unless you got three arms or something. I don't know how it would work, but <laughs> I mean, that's a really good point. the The original scream was archetype was horror movie archetypes making fun of horror movie archetypes. Or viewing them. And this is real life archetypes looking at horror movie archetypes 
and it's there's a thing that kind of you go who cares now right it's like this is what well, okay so like and okay so oh but we have like uh, uh non cis people okay I, I don't know I mean I think like the the meta commentary on the meta commentary is <laughs> is kind of like that is a necessary evolution because I think about fandom in general now it's like people have monetized being nerds like to such a great degree now like don't we know it we just got back from disney world (laughs) you just watched you just watch like tiktok or youtube and you see all these people that are just experts on pop culture yeah and it's like what and they're talking it's these people that are watching marvel movies which are like just the most basic popcorn fodder and they're like oh here are all the easter eggs and the spoilers and this is probably what this means and they're going to introduce this character and and this might mean this it's like what why do you and it's because there's this cottage industry around being one of those personalities that's the expert why would a man with a shirt that says genius at work (laughs) spend all his time watching a child's cartoon i retract my question (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i so, I mean, I, I get what they're doing a little bit, and I think they could have done it better. I think they could have de- dove more deep into that aspect of fandom and, like, the wide, the evolution of um, people that are fans of things and looking way deeper and placing way more importance on them than need be. Um, but... Yeah, it's just again, it kind of falls flat for me because it's it's all white noise at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate just a little bit from our review on Scream, and we're going to take a meta look at our viewing of Scream. Oh, yeah. There was some loud smooching going on. <laughs> yeah, so we were in our theater. We were two of four people in the theater, and the two people in the center of the we were sitting in the back in the center of the theater were from what i could tell they were like they had a bottle of some kind of booze probably like vodka or something oh that they okay were i didn't catch that i was no just i was watching them closely. so irritated <laughs> i like to watch um so <laughs> tell me more and they were talking a bit i mean we were far enough away to where it wasn't like i couldn't hear what they were talking about it wasn't that distracting to me personally um, but they were talking throughout the movie and smooching smooching you were smooching with donnie and, and and I was I was just waiting for the time when that girl's head was going to disappear. <laughs> I swear that guy was he was looking for a blowy. Or at yes, least a hand. I wouldn't be surprised if if he got if there was hand jobs given during that movie because they are really pretty into each other. I was so irritated. I was I, I was like I was just moments away from being like. Hey, can you shut the fuck up, please? Can you shut up? Shut the fuck up. Okay, kiss. Go nuts. But shut the fuck up. Like, she's talking at at almost normal volume. Mm -hmm. We're right there. I'm right here, bitch. Hey, can you suck his dick already and shut up? (laughs) Yeah, put something in that mouth. God damn. Wait, wait, wait. wait. My camera's not ready. Okay, now start. Oh, my God. Ew, David. Yeah, ew. Um, Ew. Yeah, these the lovebirds. They uh, and and they kept he kept breathing directly into her face. 
he'd like turn his head and like <sighs> and just like ew why Ugh. I don't know I'm just love is gross well I, I'm just tired of people I think I don't know <laughs> join the club we've got jackets it's been so long since I've we- embraced my wife I just <laughs> it's disgusting to yeah watch. now at this point I'm just I'm just revolted by it <laughs> Um, so my, so, okay, here, let me ask, did either of you guys have predictions? Sounds like Keith had a prediction early in the movie. Did you have predictions as to who it was? Were they right or wrong? Why? Um, uh, oh, does Bryce go first? Or, uh, oh, oh, um, Bryce was in the middle of a big yawn, so I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> and then, oh, of course. Here's the, um, uh, it, well, like I said, I predicted right away that that Mikey Madison was going to be the one of of the killers. She was either going to be the the mastermind or the accomplice because it, it, it's like the Sith in Star Wars, just the role of two at this point. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, is, is she the master, or the apprentice? And um, as far as predicting who the the other one would be. It was a toss-up between TGI Fry Guy Jr., the one with the the, the frosted tips in his <laughs> TGI hair, TGI Fry Guy Jr. <laughs> or Zingers. God damn, Keith, gotta get the fire extinguisher out here. You just lit him on fire. <laughs> I had that one loaded for a while, like when you guys were first talking about him. I just didn't want to talk over you before, but um, TGI it was Fry Guy. It was a toss-up between him, partially because he was Judy's son. And and I thought, hmm, what kind of a twist would it be if uh, if the killer turned out to be the son of of who was essentially the new Dewey as of Scream Four? And and I hate the way Judy died in this movie, but I won't get into that yet. It um, but it, if it wasn't him, then it was gonna be. Uh, I I didn't suspect Richie. Yeah, yeah, even though Dewey directly singled him out because I thought that would be too obvious. You know, what do I know? I guess. Is it so? Uh, there was one other guy in in the group. I, I forget who it was. Whoever the other guy was, that's who I was the thinking. The jock, Chad. Was Maybe. Chad? Like I said, I forget <laughs> so many of these characters' names. So yeah, but uh, probably him. Bryce, did you have any guesses as to who it was? Was were they right? Yeah, my guess was the frosted tips guy at first. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, and then, and then at a certain point, I'm like, oh, after that guy died, I was like, okay, it, it's the purpose of these movies is it can be anyone. Right. So it's pointless to even guess. Unless you know? you're well, Keith and then you guess right. Like, well, well, you could even say, a- you could even say Tara was the killer. She could have, it would have been mm-hmm. her accomplice stabbing her. Um, no, I don't know. I, I, you, you could you could say anyone, so I just sat back and waited. I ha- well, it I, can be anyone. It just usually is always someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that, that's kind of like the, the paradox. What like if they it, let you, yeah. What if it wasn't anyone? <laughs> yeah. What if exactly. well, that would, that would be like the next level would be like it wasn't anyone. It was the ghost of Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> there you go. It was the hallucination that was stabbing the, everyone. Skeet, 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 Skeet. Minds this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a dream. Yeah, it was all a dream. The, the, we're actually in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Um, I thought I had a real hot take. I was like, oh, it's Sam. It's Sam. She's the killer. And she um, she doesn't she doesn't, she doesn't know, know it she's a killer because she's on antipsychotics. But she's now she's going off of them. And her dad, Skeet Skeet, is showing up. And, you know, guiding her hand mm-hmm. in a loving embrace. Yeah, I mean, that was, they heavily foreshadowed that that could be it. Okay. 
I well, thought I, 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 you know, I did it without the help of the movie. Okay. Okay. Well, I figured that wasn't going to be it once, like, she started getting those flashbacks to the ghost of, of Billy, like, her dad or whoever it was. It's like, around the third time they did that, I'm just like, that would be the worst twist in the world if they make her the killer. Because you're pretty much all, all but telling us she's probably the killer. She's probably the killer. Or, oh, it's it, it psych. She wasn't the killer. Now she is. It, it just, they do that with these characters on and on throughout <laughs> this movie. Yeah. And, and it's just like, by the fifth film in the franchise where you're still doing that, it's just like, uh, okay, we get it, writers. Like, you watch Scream. You're commentating on Scream. You're commentating on yourselves. It, it, it's like, it, it's metaception, like Inception with horror movies at this point. And it's like, you're just not as good at it at now as, as you think you are. Like, there's a reason this franchise went downhill over time in relation to the meta-ness. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with how you're approaching it. Um, Let me think here. I have some nitpicky things that I just remembered. Okay. Um that we've we skipped over so does it ever explain why they're like technical geniuses that they can hack into a security system in the house and how they can clone phones like was there a reason why they'd be experts at that no the killers no and then second was so we know there's two killers right and we know that one of them was Amber, and the other was Richie. Mm-hmm. So there's the scene, the the first scene where it's like, hey, I've, I have this video. I'm at Amber's house right now. And then Tara gets attacked. And the... This the, is at the start. Yeah, this is at the start. And so you, since you've seen Scream before, you know that even though the killers at the other house, they can still be at this house because there's two of them. Right. So who is taking the video of Amber if the killer was at Tara's house? The other killer. Amber was the other killer. Oh, yeah. Maybe she just put it in the tree. I just realized, you know what, what could have solved that whole thing and potentially made the twist in this movie better? Like, we were joking about it before, but now I'm actually realizing the potential it could have had. It was nobody. No, no. (laughs) I I think it could have worked so much better, potentially, is is if instead of a pair of killers – this time, literally every teenager actually was the killer. <laughs> the, 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 and, and they all had different jobs. Turn it into an Ocean's Eleven kind of situation. Yeah, there like, you like, go. It, it sounds like I'm joking, but I think it actually could have worked if everyone had a particular set of skills related to staging these murders. Mm-hmm. They make it look like it's only two people. And then at the last minute, you find out, like, everybody was in on it. Everyone who was killed suddenly comes back, like, at the end of, of a, I don't know, maybe not a Clue movie. What, what, I forget the name of that movie where, like, all the victims come in and it turns out we were just staging this whole thing to, like, prank you or, or like, trick you into doing something. We, it, we, it was fake blood on all of us. Do what Billy and Stu did. But apply it to a whole group this mm. time. Like there's almost a stab, a ghost face cult now. That could have actually worked better for the toxic oh, fandom commentary. Ghost face who, cult. 
Exactly, because toxic fans can come in all different archetypes, all different shapes and sizes, different backgrounds, but they're united in a common goal, right? So what if everyone that we saw get killed comes in for the finale? Maybe Sam or Tara are the only ones that weren't in on it. It, That might have actually surprised me. There was a point at the end that I thought, like, I bet there's going to be a third killer. Like, that Mm -hmm. that would be a good twist of, like, it's the end of the movie and like, ah, the two got killed and then yeah. it's the, an extra killer. And it's like, you can have more than two. I love, want. I love the idea of a ghost, ghost face cult, but I'm going to use that to actually, um, segue into telling all of our listeners, listen, we are going to be putting on a series of live shows called the cult of horror at the Kiggins in Vancouver, Washington. So, if you are interested in seeing Bryce and I go up on stage and introduce super cool movies like The Exorcist, The Fly, uh, Mid or Hereditary, and The Burbs, then guess what? You got a four month, uh, four months of that. We're going to be doing one movie per month starting at the end of March. And uh, more details to follow in upcoming episodes, but this this is a big deal, and we need your help to uh, to fill up the theater and to spread the word here in Vancouver and Portland. So that's that's been my public service announcement. Mm-hmm. Get excited because it's going to be a whole big thing. We've got a bunch of sponsors coming. I think we may have free popcorn at the first one. So kind of big deal stuff. Um, anywho, uh, back to Scream 2022, um, I want to move into discussing just a little bit, this is kind of, we're wrapping it up here, but what did you guys think of the, the violence, the gore, the murders in this movie? There are some really good stuff. I mean, that's the thing about Scream is it keeps it real basic. Yeah. It's, it's a knife, you know. It's not like Halloween where you have someone super strong, like squishing a head or <laughs> pulling someone's head through a banister kind of thing. Yeah, real um, meat and potatoes stuff. Real meat and potatoes. So, like, the stabbing through the neck. That was, was, was great. That was very, that was the most memorable moment in this movie for me. Um, when uh, Dewey gets killed, it's pretty intense. He, like, stabs his front and back and, like, lifts yeah. him up. Um, but, yeah, and then the other ones are just the typical scream, just very visceral stabbings, you know? Very frantic. Yeah. Very scrabbly and... Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you think, Keith? Um, uh, it, well, I, I, I've never liked blood and guts personally, except from like a production effects standpoint. Like visually, I, I can tolerate it to a point. I'm not a fan of it. It, and the only reason I can look at that stuff is because I know it's not real. Like it, it, you show me even a real autopsy photo and I start to get sick. Like I can't handle that. It, but um, for me in terms of gore, it, this one, like the stabbing through the neck thing, it was uh, uh, okay. Like as, as soon as it started, it, I could kind of – my my my, my uh, production brain started kicking in. I start thinking, okay, that's probably where they put the prosthetic on. This is probably the line between that and the, and the actor's actual neck. <laughs> it, you know, I, I started thinking like, where's the blood pump? 
going in up his back. <laughs> so visually, it was it was fine. All the violence in the film was like I wouldn't say milk toast, but none of it really broke new ground for me as part as far as the series goes. Like for me, in terms of real gut wrenching, there's no beating the beginning of the original film. Like the first thirteen minutes yeah. of the of the original scream are just masterful like Wes Craven at his absolute best that the first 13 minutes could be like their own short film and it would have worked just fine cut out the rest of the movie if you want but I'll never forget the first time I saw um Drew Barrymore's boyfriend Steve in the chair and Ghostface says I'm afraid he's out and you hear him screaming like oh god the, the lights are out what's what's happening you hear that stabbing sound effect that same stock sound effect for the yeah. knife that they use in every daggone movie and you see his intestines like cut out. I was a kid the first time I saw that. I forget exactly what age. And oh my God, I couldn't eat for a while the first time after I saw that because it looked so real. Then you find Drew Barrymore's body at the end. Her parents see her almost cut in half hanging from the tree. And the movie zooms in really fast on it so you don't get to see much of it. But the original cut of that intro was supposed to – the camera was panning in on her much slower. They just sped the footage up. And you can find it on YouTube, the original cut of that intro. It holds on her and her spine is like the only thing holding the two halves of her together. Like most of her is spilled onto the ground. Oof. Oh my god, that, that was – that image to this day still sticks with me. Yeah, you know, I mean you're both – you're both right. Like, it doesn't break crazy new ground in terms of violence, especially not like what Halloween Kills uh, did. Uh, but to to me, I, I have this this just general appreciation for Ghostface being like a very person-y sort of killer. Uh -huh. You know, he's not extraterrestrial. He's not um, superhuman. He's, you can trip Ghostface. You can trip him and he'll scrabble around uh -huh. and he's... He's tenacious, though. He's coming at you, mm -hmm. and he uh, d desperately wants to murder you. I death. believe Ghostface pronouns are they, them. Oh, my apologies. True. <laughs> True. Um, so, let's see here. Do you guys have any other final thoughts on uh, on this version of the Scream movie? Um, if this is an attempt to reboot the franchise and and launch it on a younger generation it's a requel bryce um to like release the original cast from their obligation to be in these movies uh-huh it's not going to be able to stand on its own no without sydney um i like it's it's still just another screen movie i don't know why they went through the efforts of trying to make it into a reboot it's hugely successful. But, yeah, I guess, I guess it's one of the most successful um, movies in theaters lately. But, uh, I don't know. I, I'd still like I'd like more new ideas. I'd like a little bit of uh, more exploration of where horror is now, as opposed to dwelling on 80s slashers. Yeah, true. Uh, Keith, what about you? Oh, sorry. I was just clearing my throat there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I honestly, I, I, I hate to sound like a downer because I, I, I don't hate this movie. It takes a lot for me to really hate something. It was just forgettable for me. I mean, I, I, I don't think it, it 
it's gonna in the ether of horror as time goes on even in context of the scream franchise is i think this one's going to become one of the more forgettable entries as as time goes on like i don't see it having anywhere near the cult status of it, 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 even Scream Two and Three, or even Scream Four, and, and that's that's a low bar. I would argue that Scream One is always going to be the pinnacle. Scream Two was kind of middle of the road. Three is probably the best of the sequels. Those, uh, except for a few elements, four and five are just going to be written off over time. I think as like. The, the 2011 to 2022, basically the, the little over a decade where Scream tried to come into the modern age and it, it just kind of shot itself in the foot, both in the way that it went about it and the way that it ultimately uh, executed it. Again, I think this movie's perfectly passable. You know, it's average at best. It's it, but I think within another decade or so, if God forbid they try to reboot Scream again, and I would hope that they managed to get the bar higher than this one. <laughs> Don't at Keith is what he's trying to yeah. say. Don't come if at you were, If you were to make a uh, – here's a question. If you were to make a meta horror movie based on elevated horror, what would be the one word title? Because I don't think it would be Scream. It would be something else. Just call it ah, like spell out a a a a h h h exclamation point. That's pretty good. I I think I'm going to defer to Keith. I think ah. <laughs> Are you guys going to go see ah? <laughs> there, there's the trailer right there. No words, no nothing. Just do a scream sound effect, and then on the DVD box, it literally just says ah. <laughs> I love ass. <laughs> I think good. my favorite movie of this year is ah. <laughs> I mean, it's good, but it's not as good as ah. <laughs> this is the man patent pending. Holy moly, dude! Oh ah. my god, have you seen ah two, ah three, and and ah the revenge? No, no, no. It doesn't go ah two. It goes. Y- y- have you seen ah or? Ah! <laughs> just more A's. <laughs> to just lower the decibel a little yeah. bit, like like every movie goes to a different frequency of sound. Like, no, you're thinking of ah. I'm thinking of uh. Yeah. Uh? <laughs> I'm thinking of home improvement. Okay. Uh, final recommendations. Listen. Um, look, we talked about the movie. If you want to go see it, go see that. You know, if you're a big scream fan, scream away. You know, go, ah, ah, but you know, I mean, it wasn't crazy. It wasn't terrible. It was a scream movie. Nothing more, nothing less. It was a movie. It was a movie. And now, now we are going to get into a bit that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, oh my God, ew, David. A couple weeks ago, I was uh, browsing through our horror movie talk email, uh, which is, by the way, it's info at horrormovietalk.com and uh, and we had received this correspondence uh, from a gal named Jess it says hi David and Bryce I'm a new listener I watched Hereditary yesterday and then did a search to find podcasts 
podcasts which discussed it and stumbled across yours. I was excited to discover it and thought I would download a bunch for a binge listen. I appreciate appreciate the Hereditary episode is an old one, but something jumped out at me I felt was worth a mention. I'm autistic and found some of the language you used to describe the character of Charlie quite hard to hear. You said there was something clearly wrong and off about her, then described her as, quote, somewhere on the spectrum. When you discussed it further, you likened this to being mentally retarded. As you can imagine, as you can imagine, this was not a welcoming first experience of your podcast for a neurodiverse person. I'm interested to hear more of your discussion, so I won't stop listening on the basis of this, but I just thought it might be helpful feedback for you to maybe consider the language you use. I enjoyed the rest of your discussions of the film. All the best, Jess. My response to Jess was this. Hey Jess, thanks for listening to the show and reaching out. It means a lot to us that you would take the time to let us know how... Uh, how what we said made you feel, especially considering we did such a shitty job at entertaining you, which was our whole goal. Most of the offensive stuff that was said on that episode was said by me, David, if I recall. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are not what you, what you would call politically correct, which is something that comes with consequences. It also tells you a lot about us. It may tell you that our show is too brash or cruel for you. It may also tell you how ignorant and pitiable we are to be so unable to express ourselves without this language that we resort to words like, quote, retarded. It may also tell you that we don't put a tremendous amount of weight in words. That's the way I think about it. I think, don't give this word power over you, David, because then anytime it's used, you're going to be inconsolable. That used to be the way I felt when people would call me paranoid or fat, inconsolable. Eventually, I became so tired of being offended by these words that I realized I just had to change the way I thought about the words. I am paranoid. I am fat. I own it. Just like you own being autistic. Being fat isn't bad. It's just who I am slash was. But so many people view it as being bad that when it's used to describe someone, it's automatically seen as being derogatory. But if you were to call me fat, I would nod my head and agree with you. Suddenly, the word has n no power over me, or not as much power over me. I'm not saying that you need to adopt this stance, but this is the mental math that I do to justify using the language that I do. While I feel bad that you don't feel welcome or maybe comfortable listening to our show, I hope you do continue to listen. None of our language or jokes are born of malice. We only use this language in the spirit of discussion, humor, and many times ignorance. Next month, or maybe later this month, we will have Keith Harris on the show, who has written blogs for us for many years and who is autistic. That's the language I use in the letter. Keith is a great friend of mine who I share deep discussions with frequently. If it's okay with you, I will bring this up with him during our discussion and see how he weighs in. I will probably have to discuss this question with him before the show so as not to spring it on him. Interestingly, I have employed many who are autistic, mostly because they are the most intelligent and thoughtful people I have ever known. Something I always say with autism is, if it's a spectrum, then everyone's on it. I don't know what neurodiverse refers to because every single person I've ever met has been totally unique and interestingly flawed. I'm sorry to have offended you, and I hope you keep writing to me. You seem like a, like a kind person, and I need to know as many of those as possible. David. <clears throat> um, 
And then we continued, Jess and I continued to have correspondences and, um, and I, in, in good faith and, you know, with, you know, with plenty of common ground. And, um, and I appreciate that she didn't automatically write me off. And I also appreciate that she let, uh, let me know how she felt. Um, so I, I mean, I don't have a lot to say that hasn't, that I haven't already said in that, in that response to her, but I do want to ask, um, ask you, Keith, uh, as a, I forget the, I already have forgotten the way you wanted me to refer to it. Eric. As the spokesman for all neurodivergent people, Keith. <laughs> no. Thank, thank you, Bryce. Somebody prepares. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how does, how does this series of letters strike you, Keith? Um, uh, because but, but, I use that language and mm-hmm. uh, and compared Charlie to being autistic and retarded in in our hereditary episode. How did that make you feel? I guess is a good uh-huh. way to start. Um, uh, well, if if I didn't know David as well as I do, who then there's a possibility that I might have that might have rubbed me the the wrong the wrong way, but not likely in terms of the actual language. I'll just say this. Um, I I was diagnosed with autism in like third grade and growing up in the 90s, people knew next to nothing about it. Well, not next to nothing, but doctors were still learning about it. My parents knew little to nothing about it. it I was just a kid, so I didn't get it. And in, in middle throughout elementary throughout some of middle school, it tapered off in high school. I did get teased on and off for being on the spectrum, just the way that I talked and some of my mannerisms, how I reacted to or didn't react to certain social cues. It was I did get called retarded at times, and I didn't know how to explain the difference to people because I didn't fully know myself. So there was a point where I went through this period of feeling defective, like something was wrong with me or maybe I was – I was worth less as a per not worthless, but less valuable as a person because I wasn't quote unquote normal. Yeah. It, so, um, th- there was a time when I got easily offended by that sort of thing. And it, it made me very self-conscious. It may- I had a lot of self-esteem issues. It was, I was constantly watching the way that I talked. I had to take speech lessons at- when I was little, but it- as I got older and learned more about being on the spectrum, it got to a point where I realized this doesn't mean something is broken in you. It just means that your brain is wired differently. Like it, it, it's classified legally as a disability, but all it really means is that you struggle with some things. Your brain struggles with some things in terms of recognizing social cues. And you see the world, the way you think, the way your neurons fire is, is going to be a little bit different. But that doesn't mean you're any lesser. It's just different. And, and even autism or Asperger's itself, if it, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad they're changing it to say neurodivergent or neuroatypical because the term autism has really kind of an umbrella term for a wide range of varying conditions. As, as I've learned over time, I thought it was like one thing that went high, middle and low, but it's so much more nuanced than that. So anyway, I'm I'm rambling. um, I personally don't have a problem with people making jokes related to autism. Like I've laughed at jokes related to that myself. I've laughed at myself about it plenty of times. Like the character Bitch Pudding from Robot Chicken. And I remember one of the characters made a joke about her like 
after she left the sketch, like, I'm so sorry. I think she has Asperger's or something. And the first time I heard that, like, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing so hard. But it gets to a point where I'm just like, I'm just not phased by it much anymore. Even the use of the word retarded. Because as long as you're not going about it with malicious intent, it, I, I get it. It's some people are just used to using that. It's a clinical term. It's what I was taught to use in relation to people with disorders or disabilities for a time. And uh, you got to realize being offended to an extent is just a part of life. Like there's always going to be something to offend you, be it a word, an action, a face, a, a visual we're never going to live in this like utopia some people are pining for where nobody is offended by anything. Everyone's sensibilities are equally catered to, especially in entertainment, because that's just not reality. That's not human nature. It's in our nature to poke fun at ourselves and at each other because humor is an essential coping mechanism to help us through life. Being offended is a part of life and learning how to cope with it, how to respond to it is part of that as well. If everyone stopped saying the word retard or retarded tomorrow, people would just find another word that carries the exact same message. It's because language is always changing and evolving. So that's not a solution. It's just moving the goalpost essentially until the net, the new word comes in. So, But, but anyways, as far as Jess goes, I'm so happy – that she reached out to David. I'm glad David reached out to her. And the more you get to know David and Bryce, I'll I'll say this from the time I've known David, they're not politically correct. They're not trying to be. They're, They're very honest, very real. That's part of what makes the podcast so much fun to listen to. They're just down to earth dudes. They don't claim or pretend to be any more or less than what they are. And as far as I've seen, they're, they're, they're good folks. You know, it's not me blowing smoke up their rear. That's just, If I didn't like them, I would say so. Well, thanks. Podcast be damned. Thanks for the uh, kind words, Keith. Yes. I I really appreciate it. But I do want to point out that we, you know, we, we do say a lot of stuff, regretful stuff, shitty stuff, not cool stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and if any of that stuff triggers you or hits you wrong, number one, I'm sorry. Number two, I hope that you reach out to us and let us know like Jess did because, you know, I I consider Jess a friend now and we've exchanged multiple emails and I'd be happy to continue talking with Jess just like I'm happy to talk to any fan of the show and, um, and you know, as the way she handled it, I thought was so – she had so much grace in giving me the time of day, you know, not just being like – Fuck you forever, buddy. You mm-hmm. that really hurt my fucking feelings. Instead, she told me how it made her feel. Said, you know, I, I don't like the way you know, and that's that's all I can ask is that mm-hmm. you know you do the same. I don't know, Bryce. Do you have anything to add to any of this? Yeah, I mean, we're uh, in some aspects we're slow learners, and some aspects we're kind of stubborn with. Um, terminology that we grew up with. I mean, to me, I know, I know, like we've made an effort to stop using the word retarded so much. Um, and my view is like, if you just even look at the history of the word, like just, if you stop using one word, it gets replaced by another one, just like he said. So, I mean, if you've ever called someone an idiot, if you've ever someone called someone a moron, um, that's, 
they used to be clinical terms for people that were um, neurodivergent is is the word now. So eventually it's going to get to a point where like you're you're ribbing your friends like, what are you neurodivergent? (laughs) And then all of a sudden there's going to be a stigma to that and they're going to have to change it again. So it's like, yeah, it's not good to mock people and, and say things with ill will, but at the same time, um, humor, um, can you, is not us? always, is not always a safe space. And so there's a little bit of wiggle room there and, and culture moves on and doesn't, you know, um, accept terminology that used to be, I mean, I only just started calling black people Negroes last week. <laughs> I just, Oh, apparently you can't call them Negroes anymore. Oh man. That's really super not cool of I mean, you. It's just, anyways, I like it. So, I mean, I, I understand it. And, and like, I've, I've got family members that are, you know, are neurodivergent and it's, well, but, you, you, sometimes but, it's, a, it comes from a place of ignorance. Some, and I think that's what most, most of, the offense comes from is, and I get it. If you're using terms or you're, you're like, um, othering people from, from your place of privilege as a neurotypical or cisgendered white male or whatever label you want to put on it, it is offensive and it hurts people. And like, I think anyone has had the experience of being othered and, have people like make fun of a group that they are a part of, um, in a, to them in a way that dropped the pit of their stomach and made them feel like, Oh, I'm a lesser person. Um, that happens to me and I don't like it and I don't want that to cause that to anyone else. But sometimes, um, it's inevitable just because we're all ignorant in different ways and, and, uh, you know, you have to take it with, a grain of salt and realize that like you have to take the totality of the person and where they're coming from to reach understanding. Yeah. I guess another thing that I think about is what, what neurodivergent and what neurotypical can even possibly fucking mean because you're clinically depressed. Um, I'm super paranoid. Uh, Carrie is the most anxious person I know. And all of these things just go into making us a human being and yeah. by by creating these these labels we're just trying to create a, a nice group a nice lump of people that we can go they're this way yeah but they're like Keith said uh, autism is a broad label for a panoply of Im- <clears throat> immensely different uh, n- neurological issues that are j- no probably not a whole tremendous heap and help and different than clinical depression, paranoia, anxiety. You know, people people who fall asleep at the wit like all of these things just make up humanity. And so all I'm trying to say is, well, maybe let's not try to other people so much and just believe we're exactly. all kind of the same thing. You know, right. we're all the same thing. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, we need we need to break out of this this like tribalism that we're regressing back into where everybody is one thing or if they're not that, then they're the opposite. You know, you, you have this in common with insert group here. Therefore, you're part of that group. And, and it gets to a point where we define people's identities and their character based on people that they have something in common with as opposed to judging them as individuals. Like I have relatives that are also on the spectrum. I have friends that are on the spectrum. I've had this exact conversation with them. Like people on the spectrum have, can have different sensibilities. Like we're not a monolith. If people with autism, with autism or neurodivergent, whatever you want to call it, like no group of people, is a monolith and that goes for like you know me uh white people black people asian people people with anxiety depression you, you know just whatever not that those are exactly the same but it's retired it, people it, it, it yeah that too it, it's just we're all individuals and i understand that it's an exercise in patience to get to know people one-on-one -on -one, get to know someone's sensibilities and how that compares to this person or that person it it takes work that's part of what it means to be a human being and have relationships of any kind you have to put in the effort to get to know that person not just sum them up as part of this group or this thing because that's easier for you or you don't have to work as hard to get to know them and it's like i i don't claim like jokes in all seriousness i don't claim to be an expert or a spokesman for people on the spectrum by any means means if you want to learn more about autism then by all means or asperger's then by all means just just read about it don't don't judge an entire group or even an entire disorder based on one person or one person's sensibilities of like that's offensive to me there is nothing you can say or do or present yourself as in life no matter how wholesome or clean it is there is nothing that is not capable of offending someone there is no such thing as a 100 percent non-offensive anything and again learning to navigate that it's just part of the human experience. You are never going to be able to avoid that indefinitely. So you can do one of two things is what it comes down to. You can spend your whole life trying and the goalpost is just going to keep moving no matter what you do. Or you can just accept it, learn to cope with it, learn what your own personal limits are to it. Don't force yourself into it and, and just – just live your life. You know, obsessing over what's offensive is just a terribly unhealthy way to live your life, not just for others, but most of all for yourself, because you're limiting yourself so much in terms of experiences you could have, bonds you could form with other people, because you're judging them by words, strictly by words, as opposed to their actions, the content of character. And, you know, when did we forget all that? What happened to actions speak louder than words? Well, I I think these are all good points. I do want to uh, want to end it by um, by saying uh, maybe let's just try and focus on the good times that we can have together and and um, and and, you know, yeah, filling each other's cup up instead of trying to pour them out all over the place. Um, and for helping me to do that, I would like to thank Jess, uh, very much, uh, for, you know, for bringing this up and thank you, Keith, for, uh, for, you know, weighing in on this. And, um, and actually I think that's a good way to end the show. Um, 
you know, a, we, it doesn't always have to be a joke. So, you know, um, I'd say that you guys need to have a wonderful week. And I think we have a new movie coming out next week. I think it's a new Mike Flanagan film or something? Orphan? No, maybe, maybe it's Orphan. A new Orphan movie? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, catch us next week. And uh, we love you very much. Thanks for listening to the show. Share it with a friend. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by heading to HorrorMovieTalk.com and clicking on one of the two links on the top right portion of the screen. Special thanks to Keith Harris for showing up. Now we're going to record the Afterpod, which Keith is going to be a part of. Um, Jess, I hope you call into the show. But if you don't, I totally understand. 682-253-4468 to get on to horror movie talk whores where we definitely label everyone a whore so have a great week we love y'all bye-bye bye-bye looking for a podcast full of burps and gas perverted cast skinny and fat look no further horror movie talk is accidentally funny begs to donate money fake sponsors for dummies and so much more new episodes every hump day they'll pickle your dickle for foreplay patreon members have it your way vote for a movie every month for the review chopper chopper don't just stare at it eat it like a taco put your tongue through the phone hoodie picasso look at them hot kids swear not a pedo got me too with cosby eating jello pudding pops done gave price flatulence train addict addict dave does it Give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy, is dinner rough. For ten kids, Bryce Hansen. Look at them hot kids, Chris Henson. Masturbate with a crucifix, exorcist. Face huggers, chest bursters, alien. Linda Blair, Pete, no Sigourney Weaver. I know it's true, cause it came from social media. Patrick Bateman can't understand you. Stab you to death for rotten apple reviews. Opinionated podcaster with a doctorate. Spook allergy, doctor of philosophy. Bad gastritis, knee colostomy. Turn Patreons into human centipedes. David Doobie Day, scare him, no, no expert. And go with fucks hard, professional sex expert. After pods, taglines, and porno flicks. American Psycho, them guys pretty sick. Chopper, chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco. Put your tongue through the phone, hoodie, Picasso. Look at them hot kids, swear not a pedo. Got me too with Cosby eating jello. Pudding pops done, gave Bryce flatulence. Train addict, addict Dave doesn't give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy, is dinner rubs. Nothing good happens in the woods. Always get more than you bargain for. Got a pickle to dickle, machines tickle bitties. Vancouver, Portland, Oregon, and organs, Corona, COVID, Curse, Lorona, Green River Killer, because reasons, hallway of poop monster kids screaming, ain't your ordinary dingleberry itinerary, 30 days shutter and jump scares, ain't fucking scary, time for the spoilers with jokes and tropes, use their white socks to catch their loads, to show them one titty, pretty, Paganism, you should
should worship they Teflon dicks. Pacific Northwest, let them see one breast. Shifty ass, stay spooky, poor man's digress. Bugsy, HMT, hard movie talk.